these walls could talk, the stories that they would tell. <laughs> uh, yeah, and now we're like everything else. We've been cleaned up and sanitized and disnified and gentrified and generified. That was Kevin DeMattia, one of the owners of Bender's Bar and Grill in the Mission and Emperor Norton's Boozland in the Tenderloin. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, we bring you bartenders, doctors, poets, and other San Franciscans talking about living, working, and doing their thing here. It's a way to get to know your neighbors. Welcome to episode 45, part one. In this episode, Kevin talks about his love of climbing, which led to his trip up Sutro Tower back in 2004. Here's Kevin. Okay, so I guess I will tell the story of... Since the advent of digital media and everyone having an iPhone and a a high-def recording device in their hand, there are some new kids that have recorded themselves climbing Sutro Tower, and they have the high-def footage to prove it. I do not have that since the night that I climbed Sutro Tower in 2004. I lost my cell phone uh, in a tumble down someone's backyard en route to the tower. So the only images are in my head. Did a cell phone in 2004 take still pictures? It did. Yes, it was the flip did phone. It, take... it took shitty pictures, but they, it took pictures. So I pictures, could've... but no video. Right. Yeah, exactly. It didn't have the capacity for video. So. It's almost just as well, because now you're going to talk about it. Yeah, I guess so. But I boy, that. their pictures are really cool, and I would pay like a million dollars to have a photo of me where I was. But maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's best uh, like that. So the story is, so I was at a, at a house in the avenues, at a friend's house, and we were, as young people do, we're drinking, listening to music, and partying. Um, as Charlie Murphy said, it's a hell of a drug. I'll leave it at that. Um, we're all having our fun, and it must have been four, four or five in the morning, and we all left the party. And I, I'd been doing urban mountaineering, I called it, for years. Since I moved to San Francisco, I'd get bored, and I just worked whatever shit job I was at. And to go back even further, when I was a kid, I would climb trees. Being from northern New Jersey, I would love to climb trees. I'd like to get as high as possible to look at the view. So moving to the big city, New York, that was impossible to climb anything. Security was so tight, um, uh, and New York is just so densely packed, there was no way to sneak into construction sites or job sites. But when I came to San Francisco, I would see all the skyscrapers downtown. Uh, Rincon Tower was one that I climbed back in 2000, and whenever they built it, that was around 2003 or four, right around the Sutro Tower time. But uh, so I would, I would get this burst of like angst because I wasn't creating any art or making any music or writing anything. I just worked my shitty job and I just needed to feel alive and go out and do something and anything. And I really liked doing things alone. So I would get a six pack and dress all in black and I'd head downtown and I'd find the skyscrapers, whichever ones they're working on. And I would, you know, you sneak around the site and you find an opening. You, you, you'd find where the security guard was first and make sure you avoid him. And then I'd sneak in and then climb up the stairs on the inside and you go up and up and up and up and then I get up to the roof and then these wonderful I'm wearing a shirt now that says San Francisco and it's got a and it's the skyline and it's got a whole bunch of cranes on it which I joke is our state bird now which is the crane because there's just so many so much construction so the joke of the shirt is that there's a million cranes and you can't see the skyline because of all the construction elements so when I first saw you wear that shirt in fact I thought that's what I thought that that was the extent of the statement you were making, and then that led you to tell me the story you're about to tell me. Yeah, about climbing them. 
and it was just really fun and exciting and I didn't want anybody with me it was something that you, you have to do on your own that I wanted to do on my own actually I, I got off on just being alone and skulking around in the dark and doing something you're, and it wasn't because I was doing something you're not supposed to do it was for the pure thrill of just being in a wide open space in a giant city and being so far above everyone and being alone it's so eerie to be in a skyscraper that's meant to house thousands of people and you're the only one there and it's a really cool feeling so you walk up all these stairs and a lot of times there'll be no there's no wall so the wind is whipping through these concrete floors and there's all these construction all these tools that are locked away and and uh like would, the, do you remember the plastic with the, is flapping in the breeze? All the construct, all the plastic. Would the building move at that point a little bit? Sway in the in the wind? No, when you get up top, it does. Yeah, when right. you get up to the top, it, it moves a little bit. Okay, I then I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself here. With yeah. the story, but I just wondered. You see, you're talking but about the wind. When I was a kid, I went to the world on top of the World Trade Center. Yeah. And I remember them telling us that it travels a few feet in either direction when you're up that high. So that always stayed with me. So yeah, then I get up to the roof, and then you see these, the crane, and then to get even higher, I'd walk, I'd climb up the ladder of the crane. And then, um, and then there's a big box the person sits in, and you have to climb over that, which is a bit dicey. And then you get out to the actual scaffolding of the crane, the arm that hangs out. Sometimes they're, they're not at a 90-degree angle. They could be, like, at a 45-degree angle. And then you kind of gingerly, you know, thread my way out to the very end, and there's usually a little platform. I could sit and drink my beer and look out over the city, and it was just such a beautiful view. You're, you're up there absolutely alone. And no one around for miles, and it's like the birds. And I was up so high. The, the Rincon Tower one was, it, it, it was so high that where I was, I, my head was right next to the blinking light that, that warns for airplanes that, you know, don't hit this if you're flying too low. And so it was, and the only thing I did, I said Kevin was here. I wrote a little, little tiny, I hate graffiti, by the way. Um, but I, I put my little thing. It was innocuous. No one would ever see it except the guy that probably changed the light bulb a year <laughs> later. And he was like, who the fuck is this crazy Kevin person? Was it in Sharpie or? Yeah, yeah, okay. in, in a, yeah, in a Sharpie. That's innocent enough. And I do have video footage of the Rincon Tower one. That's up on YouTube. I think Kevin Dematia might be. That's my name. And I put a little, I put a little snippet of me up there, and it's terrifying. It's you're so high up. It's awesome because I was so high up in the crane that the top floor of the building looked like it was a skyscraper below me. So it's not for the vertiginous or the faint of heart, you know. And I'm one of those people where. I tell these stories of climbing and stuff. Uh, I don't like heights. I'm, I'm really scared. I get actually nauseous. Like, I don't like going on roller coasters. Um, I can't jump off a cliff into water. I'm really nervous. Um, I don't like amusement parks. I don't like airplanes because it's not in my control. But if I'm climbing, I, I've always said I could climb a ladder to the moon because I trust. I trust that my feet aren't going to slip, my hands are grabbing, and it's all under my control. So I feel very confident and comfortable doing that. But I don't like it when it's in someone else's hands. I'm not going to get on one of those ricochets that slings you up and those YouTube. Oh, the bungee? The, the, yeah, the bungee where people just faint. The big tough guys always turn into a puddle, you know. Skydiving? I am imagining same thing. Skydiving, same thing. Yeah, yeah. there'd be like a brown trail, you know, from the plane <laughs> following my body as I lost all control of any functions, you know. Or I'd, I'd do it for a huge sum of money and like yeah. I'd, I'd be on a lot of Xanax and CBD. So, Rincon Tower was what year, you said? Rincon Tower was, that was when I started at Whole Foods down there. Um, so, that was 2000 and, yeah, that was 2000. That was right before Pseudo Towers. That was like a few months. I was like early 2004, like January, February. Okay. And was that the fir- your first bit? Well, that was like my third or fourth one. I'd done a bunch of skyscrapers downtown. And, uh, Maybe your tallest. Rincon Tower was the, tall, the highest up that I ever was. Right. And then I'd always look at Pseudo Tower whenever I'd... I was like, I want to climb that. It was this bizarre alien artifact on top of the hill, 
painted in the, the, the crazy like red and white or off red, like burnt orange and white. It, it was such a relic of the 70s. And it was so, just looked so bizarre and alien. The way the tines, for those of you who don't know, a tine is like if, you, if you're on a fork or if a mer, merman has a trident, a tine is that little pointy thing. So those top parts, I call them the tines. It just looks so geometric and alien and bizarre with that gorgeous rolling landscape around it. Because it looks like the mast of a ship. And when I was up there, I literally felt I was sailing through a sea of fog at a great speed. If the fog is just right and you're in a plane and the top is sticking out, it looks like it. It's always the last thing I see when I leave San Francisco. The last physical embodiment of the city when I leave. Or Mm -hmm. not every time, but often when I fly away, you'll see those little tines poking up over the fog as you leave. And it's Mm -hmm. so beautiful. Warms my heart every time. Mm -hmm. So back to the original story um, after that segue. So... Um, I was, we were leaving the party. I've been looking at Suda Tower for years and saying, I really want to climb that. And I didn't know what that involved. I thought it was much simpler than it turned out to be. So as we left the party, I was all hopped up and just ready to do anything. Everyone else was like tapering off. They all wanted to go home and go to sleep. My girlfriend at the time was like, just please come home with me. Like, I'm not going to walk over to this tower with you. And I said, nope, I'm, go- I'm going for it. I'll see you later. And she was angry. And they slammed the cab door slammed. And everyone left. And I was sitting out, out there in the avenues alone in the fog drizzled street looking off in the distance and I could see Pseudo Tower blinking faintly in the distance and I just walked towards it and I did it a purely organic way I didn't I, I'm not good at direction but I, it was like a beacon and I just kept walking towards it I was they call it staircasing in messenger terms when you're riding a bicycle and you don't want to go up a, the highest hill but you kind of staircase you know to, to gain elevation so I staircased my way towards the tower for I don't know how long it took me like an hour I couldn't even tell you but I was by the time I got up to it it's the street is called Clarendon, and it's a whole different level of people that live up there. It's the, the houses get much, you know, since time immemorial, the rich people live on the top of the hill, and the poor people live in the bottom. So the houses get really like Hollywood, like these big open windows, and all the eucalyptus trees are up there, and everything gets a little more vertical and crazy. And I had to cut through some people's yards to get to it, and then I tripped. And at one point, I tripped and fell, and I was, I was still buzzed but I wasn't drunk the, the, the drunk was wearing off but I tripped and fell and I rolled and I, I lost my cell phone in, in the bushes in somebody's yard strewn with weeds and stuff I didn't even I looked for it for a minute and then just continued onward um, and I eventually made my way up to the base of Sutro Tower which is for those of you who haven't been up there you have to go up this winding street called Clarendon and all these eucalyptus trees and there's like this little concrete bunker where a dude sits and it's his job to make sure that nobody does anything stupid like me. So I had tried to climb Sutra Tower once before when I first moved to the city. It was like 1998, 99 maybe. And back then they had these Klieg lights that would come on. when, um, when it would, They had motion-activated lights and the lights would spring on. It scared me away. I said, that's dumb. I don't want to get arrested. This time it was a fortuitous confluence of events where... By the time I got to the base of the tower, the sun had come up, so those lights were no longer operating. They, they didn't come on. There was no guard dog. Like the first time, they had a guard dog that was barking at me the first time. This time, there was no dog. And I looked into the little bunker, and the fellow was passed out. He, yes. was, he was asleep. So I still kind of crept underneath him. I wasn't dressed in all black. I didn't remember what I was wearing. I had my chrome messenger bag on. And then I was like, okay, I'm here, so there's got to be a way to get under there. Now, there's this huge chain link fence, which is about... 10 feet tall with concertina wire on top of it. Is that barbed wire? Barbed wire. Concertina yeah. wire is like barbed wire's evil cousin. Is it the it's, circular um, stuff? The, 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 the 
barbs of the wire go in opposite directions, so it's guaranteed to catch your clothing or your flesh if you jump over. So it's, they use it in the concentration camps. It's really evil stuff. Like, you do not want to climb over it, which I did. So there was no way in, so I was like, I have to climb the fence. Me being probably 30 pounds lighter and, and a lot more agile, I scaled the fence. And then I was teetering up at the very tip of the top of the fence with the concertina wire between my legs coiled around. I was in a very precarious position where one way or the other, you know, you would fall. So I had to time it so I jumped over so my leg wouldn't catch the concertina wire, which it did. So when I finally made the leap to jump over, the concertina wire caught my leg. It ripped through the fat of my calf on my left leg, like between my ankle and the back of my knee, kind of right under, actually right underneath where the calf muscle is. It pulled me, and I spun, and I fell. I landed. I knocked the wind out of myself. I landed on my messenger bag, um, but I was winded. But I didn't break anything. My ankle was sprained, and and I was blue, and I had a a pretty deep gash. It was so deep that I just saw the black space between the the muscle and the and uh, I didn't. And there was no like white fat cells. It was such a clean cut that I just saw like the space between the bone, and um, and I immediately knew that I said, "Okay, you're going to the hospital." It was one of those injuries where there was not putting a bandaid on it. It was like this is really serious. It was a big opening in my leg, uh, like a, a few inches, but it wasn't bleeding. I missed any major arteries. It was like the the most weird. It was like a bloodless slit. And my stomach did like a flip-flop when you see yourself opened up like that. You know, you never want to see the inside of your own body uh, <laughs> uh, unless it's like you're looking at an x-ray. But, I, but there was that time where I was like, wow, I'm really – this is not good. I have to go to the hospital. And, this, and here's where I almost – it's like that story, The Hero of a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. It literally felt like that moment in your life where you're alone and you're wounded and you're facing something and there's no one to help you. And it was literally the analogy – Not I didn't think of it at the time, but it was like it took a lot of courage to continue forward. But it's like you're facing that fear. You're walking into the dark forest and you come out. You know, You get to tell a story here on the campfire. So – I said, let's go. I'm in already. Let's, let's do this. Let's go for it. Okay. I'm not bleeding profusely. I can, I can do this. This is fine. So then I, I walked. Well, lo and behold, there's another chain link fence that I have to climb with more barbed wire on top. This time, normal barbed wire, not Constantino wire. So this was much easier. It was a shorter fence. So I hopped that. No problem. I'm finally in. I'm at the base of Sutra Tower. Those giant legs. It's looming up into the sky. The sun, it was like dawn then. You know, the sun, like I said, the sun had been coming up. And I started climbing. Now, to, to get to climb to the tower, there's a, the ladder was on the outside of the leg. So I was climbing up the outside. Now, as I started climbing, one, this was not a weekend. This is a weekday. So one of the people that worked there, the car pulled into the parking lot. And this person got out of And I froze. I froze like a bug, like on the side of a tree. Like you see those cicadas that shed their mortal coil and they become a new thing and they fly away. Well, I was like as still as one of those empty cicada shells. I just clung and I looked. And the person, of course, they got out of their car. He stretched. He looked up at me, but he didn't see me. So I was terrified because I was going to get arrested. This is post 9-11. So this was, or, or yeah, post 9-11. So it, I was on, like, federal property. And once I was inside, I started thinking of the repercussions of my actions. So I'm, I'm kind of a headstrong person. I don't really think of what's going to happen. I just do it. So I was like, oh, my God. So he looked at me, but since I guess you're not used to seeing a person there, his brain didn't even register it, and he just kind of looked around at the trees. He stretched, turned around, and walked into wherever he was going, one of the buildings there. Maybe that was part of his ritual of getting to work every day. He's like, just looking up at the tower, like, all right. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Or, 
I don't know. Like, yeah, but then he went inside. I was safe, and and then then it really started. So then I got to then you get to a certain part where the ladder goes around to the inside of the leg, and then you just start climbing. And it was a very simple process. You just climb straight up as long as you can go, and it was a rusted ladder. There was bits missing. There were bits of ladder that were missing, and where it was attached to the end of the leg, because no one had no one uses that. It was like for emergencies. Then they built an elevator, which people travel up and down in the elevator. So I just climbed and climbed and climbed, and I couldn't even tell you how long I climbed for. I had to rest a bunch of times, you know. I hope the tower itself is built of sturdier and more and uh, long-lasting. It was very sturdy, stuff. yeah. But it was then the ladder as you're going up. As you're going up, it's like steel is like a it's like a thing alive. When it was moving, it was moaning and like sighing underneath me. You could hear all the joints were stressed and sighing, and it was definitely like waving, like you're climbing a giant tree. And I just got farther and farther up, and it was just so beautiful and so, just so, just such a crazy view. And then I finally, I got to a point where I was like inside the leg, where I wasn't really looking outside. I was just so focused on climbing that when I finally poked my head out, I was about two thirds of the way up the tower, um, literally almost underneath the the horizontal cross braces that are up by the tines up top. Like I was past the little waist where it pinches in, and I was up there, and I poked my head out, and the fog had come in. And it was this beautiful, and the only analogy I could make is like, I felt like I was on the surface of the moon. I could see nothing, but it was just a white expanse of fog as far as the eye could see. Above that, a clear blue sky. The sun had come up. The sky was clear blue, and there was one airplane. I'll never forget it. There was one airplane that was silently like tracing a line in the sky above me. And, and it was the most beautiful uh, image I've ever seen in my entire life and probably that I ever will see. It'll, it'll never leave me, that one snapshot of my city of San Francisco. But there was no city. It was just me and the fog. And it was just the most solitary, amazing, humbling, beautiful experience ever. So then I really wanted to go for it. I wanted to get up to the top because what's the... And so I kept going. And then I got to a point where I thought to myself, I said, hey, do you want them to find the corpse on the summit of Mount Everest holding the flag, like the green man or whatever that poor dude is that died. They just left the body there. Um, you know, do, do I want to like die doing this or not? Cause I'd started to go to, I started, I was so exhausted at that point from all the adrenaline, everything had worn off all the drugs, the alcohol, everything had worn off. And I was just there and I started to go to sleep. I started to pass out while climbing. So, but luckily I'd look, I'd loop my arm over. I would loop when I started getting really drowsy. I, I would, I would stop for a second and loop my arm over the, the rung and a couple times I, I came, I, I had fallen asleep and came awake like screaming, thinking I was falling. And like the second time, it, it, I didn't let it go too much. It was like the second time that happened, I realized I was really putting myself in danger. And I kind of want to get down and, and live life and not die. I don't, it's not worth dying for up there. I'd done it. I climbed it. So then I, then I just beat a hasty retreat. I, I got down. It, I went down a lot quicker than I came up. And I had to get... And then when I got down, I was so completely exhausted that there was no way I could climb over the razor wire again. So I had to, yeah, both, yeah. So I, I just knocked on the door and took my chances. And again, I'll never forget it. It was like this little Asian dude, like the guy in the Matrix, you know, all these keys. These keys were jangling. I woke him up out of his stupor. I knocked on that little door, the guy that had been snoring before or, or snoozing. And he came to the door and, and he looked at me and I looked at him and he said, what are you doing here? I said, I said, I'm just trying to go home. It, very simple. I didn't explain myself. I didn't over-explain myself. And I must have looked so fatigued and so sincere. And he saw that I didn't have paint. I wasn't graffitiing. I wasn't a thief. I wasn't a fugitive. I was just somebody that had just 
done whatever they'd done and just wanted to go home. And I guess he must have realized that he could have gotten in trouble for allowing me to, you know, falling at the century, fell asleep at the gate and let the mm -hmm. Trojan horse in or whatever. And so he just shook his head and he walked me to this gate and he opened this door and I walked out into the sunlight, the dappled eucalyptus leaves uh, playing in the sunlight down Clarendon. And then I took myself to the hospital. No one would, I hit, tried to hitchhike. No one would pick me up, of course. So I walked to the nearest hospital and got my, got my leg sewn up. I forget how many stitches it was, but there's still a scar there. It's been tattooed over, but it's, you can still see the dimple. And uh, yeah, that's my, and that was 2000 and that was been like April of 2004. And my girlfriend said when I came home that I was like almost glowing. I was like super, super hot. Like not like my normal, like I'm normally ruddy and hot, but it was like, she said, it felt like you'd been irradiated. It's like you were, or like by doing it, you had been enlightened somehow or something. I don't, I don't know. know. Well, I got really scared because they said that those things, they, they emit microwave radiation. The, oh, those shit. Big, it's the largest transmitter in Northern California, like those giant dishes. And I was so scared that I gave myself cancer. They call it Cancer Alley up there because everyone up there from all the radiation. But then someone else said you were behind them. You weren't. In if I was in front of them, I wouldn't get gotten cooked. Mm. But I was behind it. But I'll, I'll never forget the hum of those things. You could buy those big things. They're just like humming like a thing alive it's just like so much energy so much wattage to power that kind of all the radio and tv you know so i still to this day i'm like what did i do my do to myself am i going to be like bruce banner you know somebody's going to trade that genetic that chromosomal switch and i'll turn into this especially with your uh, open wound yeah like they, they, they would have had an easier the microwaves would have easier yeah, so time i had to get a tetanus in. shot obviously because it was like rusty it was like metal so i got a tetanus shot and i had to get sewed up and i was going to ask if the hospital do you have to tell them but did they ask what how you got the injury? No, but I told the nurse, and she was cool. She had like, I'll never forget, she had a Hawaii, one of those, a dolphin, a tribal dolphin tattoo on her foot. So we started talking tattoos, and she thought it was a really interesting story. She goes, wow, I never thought anyone could climb that thing. And now if anyone is on Instagram, just type in um, like Pseudo Tower, and there's a bunch of kids now that have climbed up it multiple times, and they take super high-def pictures. So you could see what I saw back then, um, not, you know, back before everyone and their brother has done it now so I guess it's not that big a deal now and they're, they're all kids they're like in 100 pounds and they're a lot stronger and quicker and they weren't coming off a night of partying their fucking asses off yeah you know, I was pretty compromised when I did it you know I wasn't at my full strength but. I would hope in addition to sharing their high def videos that they could talk about their experiences that'd be cool maybe I mean it's still completely illegal so I don't know how yeah. they're getting around the legality of that they've also They've climbed a Salesforce Tower, I think, or, or one of those skyscrapers next to Salesforce. So these, these kids are real, like, lawbreakers. Like, I used to do it just to be, I, I want to be alone at night and drink my beer. And these guys are doing it to get, like, likes on social media. They're doing, like, pull-ups. You know, the kind of guys doing the pull-ups from the little cross beams and stuff like that. So. Check back Thursday when Kevin will go through his history of bartending in San Francisco, which ends with his owning two bars these days. Music for this podcast is by Otis McDonald, a.k.a. Joe Begale. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Follow Storied San Francisco on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our website, which has all the episodes, plus a store where you can buy our merch, is storiedsf.com. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Send comments and suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.